Okay, everybody, welcome back to another episode of the Figure It Out podcast with me, Chandler Collins. Another football edition, uh, going to be a lot more heavy on the news here, a little Chiefs talk, a little league talk, training camps in the dog days, that's for sure. Um, going to have a little HBO Hard Knocks uh, premiere last night, talk with the boys, got Johnny and Blaine back with us today. Going to be a little bit more of a laxed episode. Might not go as long tonight. Um, kind of just the boys talking ball. Um, before we do that, let's talk to the guys. We'll start with you, Blaino. Blaine, how we doing, buddy? Good to hear from you again. Back from the races from last weekend. Talk to us a little bit about that, please. Yeah, if you haven't heard of sprint cars, now you have. A little going around dirt track, Knoxville, Iowa, sprint car capital of the world. That's where I did. Uh, last weekend, drink a lot of beers, having a beer right now myself. And um, what do you think about hard knocks? I really like it in Detroit. I really like the grit factor, grit week, grit factor. A lot of good things going on this week. The NFL preseason starts. I'm just getting, I say this almost every intro that itch just keeps itching and itching and growing bigger and bigger in football. I'm doing great. Yeah, Detroit is a gritty city. We'll save the HBO talk till after Johnny tells us how he's doing. Johnny, fresh face for the listeners. Kids had a beard for six years, I believe he said. Gone completely baby face on us. Johnny, how you doing, brother? I have a new perspective on life, Chandler. I mean, I'm, <laughs> I've, I've been hiding behind this beard for so long. It's finally time to break free and be the human that I uh, was born to be. Uh, in all seriousness, I, uh, I went with a spur-of-the-moment mustache look, which I thought looked fantastic. Um, <clears throat> but in, in, professionally, uh, I need to get my beard back because it's kind of a, the look, the Johnny Rowe beard. So uh, I think in about 10 days, I've, I've gone full clean-shaven, but uh, in about 10 days or so, it'll it'll be back. But until then... Um, I'm going to go with the high school look, the the high school no beard look. I'm doing great, though. It's great to be back with you guys on the Figure It Out podcast. And, yeah, a different take on the episode. Not so, you know, team around the league focused uh, specifically on, like, player personnel. But there certainly are still some stories to talk about, some fun discussions. Definitely some questions later that I have for you guys that I'm interested to hear nice. your perspective on. Hard Knocks was a great episode last night. And we got a Chiefs game on Saturday. Life could not be better right now. Yeah, oh. Chiefs game at noon on Saturday, and I was looking today. The Chiefs are a three-and-a-half-point dog, which maybe Patrick's not playing. I mean, not that it really matters, but I still feel like the names alone, I think you should go ahead and just favor the better roster in a preseason game. But I'm not a not a betting guy, but uh, I think you have to hammer Chiefs plus three-and-a-half. I think you get some good odds on that. I mean, I believe in Chad Henney for sure. Come on, Chad. But – um. Yeah, kind of depth? Uh, do you think our depth isn't better than the Chicago Bears depth? That's what I me? mean. Our our depth is better than the Chicago Bears one. Exactly. Uh, that was my point. The Chiefs reserves. I would take the Chiefs reserves over the Bears first choice across the board. The Chicago Bears. Look, I love our buddy Jordan Turner. I feel really bad for him right now. <laughs> I know some people in my life who are Bears fans. For listeners, or if you haven't listened, go back to our NFC North preview. Uh, episode um we all made our thoughts on the bears very clear but i legitimately think that this is this bears team is a candidate for the number one overall pick in the draft next year and uh yeah this is preseason doesn't matter but i still want to beat the bears and i'm definitely yeah. going to bet on the chiefs right here yeah um let's actually i want to hit on that real quick before we get into our hard knocks uh there just seems for some reason maybe it's this is this is a year where i have 
more or less uh, consumed more and more NFL content and outside of the Chiefs, really. Um, I've kind of noticed that, I mean, I, I love the NFL and I could watch every game, but like I've never really like try to consume as much content as I have. There just seems to be a lot of teams that are either in a really good position right now. Um, I would say that's probably about 75, 85% of the league. And the other 25 seems to be really bleak. A lot of weird things in training camp, a lot of negativity. Um, and like I said, maybe it's just because yeah, I'm I'm looking around the league more at training camp material. But for example, we just talked about the or we talked about the Giants right before we got on here. The Giants are in a bad spot. I don't know what's going on in New York. Chicago seems to be insanely bleak with the Roquan Smith. Uh, trade rumors coming out. He notes apped it. The whole works on Twitter. Seems like unless the McCaskies, who own the Chicago Bears franchise, can can mend that relationship, he's out the door. Um, the Commanders. We'll talk about this here in a little bit. The Commanders have had a uh, had some bad some bad things come out of their camp with their quarterback Carson Wentz. I could go on and on. Um, I think and. It, those those three teams really stand out and have been in the news. Blaine, you got something? Yeah, I just think it's more of X media like mindset is it's easier to say something bad about a bad team. Like Pat Mahomes has had bad throws, but you're not going to post a bad Pat Mahomes throw if you're a media member of the, of the Chiefs. But if you're right. if I'm at Giants camp and I'm a media member, fuck. Daniel Jones throws a bad pass. Of course I'm posting that thing. That I mean, and we see that. So media bias is there, but it does seem pretty bad. I mean, four, five, six fights at the Giants. You can't really, you can't really downplay that. But this, it just reminds me of guys like remember, and this just makes me feel better as a Chiefs fan now. But like being a fan through the the, the rough times, but it's like <clears throat> there are guys just like us who <laughs> who absolutely love yeah the Chicago Bears. Like they absolutely love the Chicago Bears. And they are going into this season, you know, like legitimately their wide receiver room is is hurt because Nikhil Harry has a high ankle sprain. <laughs> like they, they are going into this season with the easily the worst offensive line in the league and Justin Fields at quarterback and a, and a new front office team that does not does not believe in Justin Fields. The proof is in the pudding. Just look at the wide receiver room and the offensive line. Like I just remember the years as a Chiefs fan <clears throat> going to training camp or watching the preseason, and Matt fucking Castle is our guy. Like that's yeah. the guy that we there. You know, there's 90 guys on the roster. There are 53 guys suited up on game day. There, there are, you know, there's 89 other guys that have to buy into Matt fucking Castle. There's eight, there's 89 guys on some of these rosters that have to buy in to, to Zach Wilson and Davis Mills. You know, it, it just goes to show you how great of a situation we have in Kansas City because there are there are 89 guys in Kansas City who look to to Mahomes and Reed. And how could you not buy in there? Yeah, yeah, it makes it a lot easier, Blaine. I saw a quote. There's just like basically the onion for NFL football, and it showed a picture of Justin Fields at the press conference and said, "Quote: Fuck this. I had better receivers at Ohio State." Yeah, <laughs> he's really true. I mean, I'm, all of his all of his receivers at Ohio State were pros and are pros now. So yeah, he definitely had uh, better receivers, and a lot of them were first round draft picks. I mean. <laughs> He was he was definitely spoiled there, but 
it just kind of stinks because like I kind of I kind of want him to do good, but he's just not going to. I mean, they just are not going to be good this year. It's it's uh it's kind of sad to see for a historic franchise like the Bears. Let's get a little more positive here. Let's talk about hard knocks last night. Hard knocks, uh, everybody gets really jazzed up about it. Um, no free shout outs, but I think a lot of our favorite podcasts, pardon my take, had a deal where they are in Colorado and they are they went to somebody's house last night to watch. I mean, it's a big deal. Um, love hard knocks, watch it every year. This one got me really fired up. Um, I think my biggest takeaway from it is the solidification of how badass Dan Campbell is. Mm-hmm. I knew he was a badass. I mean, I know that he played in the NFL. I knew that he was a really emotional guy and he let it fly in that, in that first, uh, in that first episode, a great episode, love seeing the team meetings um, brings me back, you know, team meetings for a football team. A lot of it is really monotonous. And a lot of it is just kind of the coach up there drowning on. And Dan Campbell just is like, you know what, let's get the players involved right away. They don't need to hear it from me. Um, fun to see the guys just that's you that's a huge bonding you got to be you know he said it last night or maybe it was one of his assistants deuce staley said it um who i forgot about deuce staley until that episode and i forgot about him on the eagles that was sick (laughs) watching him run against dallas but um he was like you gotta love the guy next to you and that seems to be the message radiating from the top down it seemed like the lions are in a good spot via that one episode um johnny what'd you think yeah it's you're so right it's all dan campbell and that there's not going to be enough time in the episode to show enough dan campbell he's just he's just really captivating when he was doing the up downs with a taped wrist and said that you know and he said that the reason his wrist was taped is because he was going into his house and the dogs were barking and he stepped over the gate he fell down and then all just those little details are a little details that, that I really like. I'll just go through the uh, the notes that I have here. One quick one. We we found out that the, they started this last year with the Colts, the in-season hard knocks. We're going to get the Cardinals this year, which is a team that yeah. the three of us left out of our playoffs and that the Chiefs have week one. So that, that, that week one, one it, that won't be on there. But we all three had some mixed feelings about the Cardinals. I certainly think that there's a lot of turmoil going on there, whether it's Kyler's relationship with the franchise Cliff's reputation as a head coach overall and and beyond so I think that'll be really exciting Chandler you mentioned Deuce Staley I think that the staff that they assembled in Detroit is a really cool staff now look at Dan Campbell is how could you dislike the guy Deuce Staley Aaron Glenn Mark Brunel Antoine Randall Kelvin Shepard like these are all names that first off make me feel old because I remember them as players and now they're coaches. And, and yes, they're all good names. How could you dislike any of them? How could you dislike Deuce Staley and Aaron Glenn, you know, going at it as coaches on, on the field and okay. But they, it's a, it's a, it's a a league about wins and losses. So like, if they don't win, it doesn't really matter. Like these guys are, they could be the nicest guys in the world. If they keep losing, they're going to get fired. So I want them to have some success. And I think they're going to have more success. Certainly. I think the lions will win more than three games like last year. Um, uh, also, I think they'll be 2-0 versus the Bears. There's another Bears shot. Uh, the next thing huh. that I thought was a huge point, a huge a huge talking point, guys, and we saw this on Twitter before the episode was released, is is how could you not buy into somebody like Jamal Williams? Oh, that, just I mean, just – and Blaine, why don't you take it away because uh, I want to hear your thoughts on that. I mean, uh, 
we got to see a little bit more than the initial teaser tweet. We got to see more to his speech. Um, but, but yeah, Blaine, I want to hear what you have to say about that. It was amazing. That's football. That's like when, when a guy steps up, breaks down the huddle and you just get everybody fired up and you just, you look at somebody next to you and they're looking at him locked in, you're locked in, believing in every word he's saying. And it makes you just, it, it makes your bones tingle. Like you want to grit your teeth and go out there and hit somebody. It was a phenomenal feeling, but I, my mind as you know, now I'm obviously just a fan and thinking about football. Like I didn't see DeAndre Swift much, I, you know, as much all Jamal Williams, which is kind of weird. And so then my mind went to like, where's his ADP? Cause he's going to get some touches. If like, that's the case, his ADP is like 50 of 30. How many, you know, how many teams in the NFL? So right. that's, you know, that's something I kind of wanted to point out. It's like, are you guys going to maybe stash Jamal Williams late in a draft or something? That's fun. But I really thought that that was my favorite part of the hard knocks. And then my second favorite part was just seeing them full padded practice right yeah, out of the gate. Me. Dan Campbell, That I mean, that's bold. And he, he even admitted that some of the players were like, dude, fuck this. And then he right. had a heart to heart at the end, like, believe in me, believe in what I'm doing. And that's just what they, you know, that's what I took out of it too. Like they're doing what they believe in. That coaching staff isn't taking a look at anything else across the league. It's Dan Campbell and that coaching staff's way. You buy in or you buy out. And hopefully it works for him. Like I'm rooting for him. I thought it was freaking awesome. Yeah. Interesting. Um, I love that Johnny brought up Mark Brunel because I've always thought it's kind of, I mean, a lefty quarterback teaching a righty. But then I watched him go over, he did that. He had that little clip when he was with the quarterbacks and he did the bag drill as a right-handed quarterback and it looked flawless. So it was like, well, I don't really think it matters that much. Offense is offense. Um, but what a guy for Jared Goff to be under. I mean, Brunel, what a career yeah. in the NFL. When, I thought uh, one of my favorite parts was when the coaching staff went through and said how many seasons they were all in the NFL. It was like, mm -hmm. Jesus Christ. Like nobody, ba barely anybody played under – eight seat i think everybody was eight or more seasons in the nfl that's insane um and several of them won super bowls i mean brunel was on that brunel was on the saints team that won the super bowl i mean and mo most went right into coaching too and you talked right after that i liked how many training camps they said too like it's just fucking yeah football guys yeah and because everybody i mean they the intro was what what is training camp and everybody had a different take on it it's it's different for everybody it's a grind like I said in the intro, it's a it's the dog days right now. It was it's uh it's getting right in the middle. They're kind of on the they're kind of approaching the summit of the camp. It's about ready to start going on the downhill slide here quick as we uh, approach these games. Um, I want to reiterate what Blaine was saying about Jamal Williams um, stepping into the huddle. It's it's evident. I think maybe more or less what it is with DeAndre Swift and Jamal. Jamal seems to be just a more outspoken leader. I think probably DeAndre leads by example more than verbally. Um, not. Right. I'm not saying Jamal isn't either, but um, I think that's more or less the case. And you could tell in that huddle too that um, the team respects him. I mean, you can right. have a guy step in there and everybody's just kind of like, oh, here we go again. Here comes this guy. <laughs> everybody was like supporting him had his back like patting him on the back all that stuff it was really good to see um great episode i wish there was another one tonight unfortunately johnny what's up yeah i was gonna that was i have three questions on here that i actually wanted to get to your guys thoughts on um 
one of those was already answered. I was going to say about Jamal, he just had that, that moxie that like when he says, when he gets tired, he keeps going because of the fucking record last year. Like you, you believe him, right? Like you inherently believe him. Like the question was, had you guys ever had anybody that was trying to give those Rue Ross speeches that you could just tell was kind of posing. And I, I, I remember sometimes like that. I mean, shoot, I remember one time I, I was probably viewed as that guy in high school sports, but it was just because the coach is like, hey, get in there and say something and, and you do it. Jamal just spoke truly from the heart. Like he went into that not knowing how he was going to finish it. And because he's so genuine, it came off just totally uh, honest and, and of course, extremely captivating and, and made him get, emotional and that has to be the physical side of football go coming into play you know I, I don't know if I don't know if many major league baseball teams after you know a, a June day game are crying like that no like this is serious physical business okay so the next couple of questions oh and I wanted to make one point too I think the reason too that Swift wasn't ma- uh, mentioned and brought up like like they gotta showcase these guys throughout the entire the entirety of this season, right? right? So, like, they showed a lot of Aiden Hutchinson, um, smoking hot mom. I mean, Jiminy yeah. Christmas. I mean, sisters, that's just, too. Yeah. sisters I mean, sisters. ridiculous. Um, great Billy Jean performance, um, yeah. right there. But they, so they showed Hutchinson, they showed Penne Sewell, um, they showed Jamal and Dan Campbell, like, and then the assistant coaches. So, you know, going into the next few episodes, they're going to show those fringe roster guys who you fall in love with and you hope they make the team. They're going to show Amon Ross, Satan Brown and Deandre Swift. And they'll show, of course they have to show Jamison Williams, but um, he'll have to get up to speed in practice and Jeff Okuda, who I've heard is having a great cornerback who's having a great training camp. So they'll do that. Okay. My question is for you guys. One piggybacks off of uh, the Aiden Hutchinson, Billy Jean performance. The three of us were all, high school athletes and Chandler, of course, at a super high level in college football. But um, did you guys ever have to do any weird initiation uh, rituals? Uh, Blaine, you can start. No, I didn't. It was just getting destroyed as a corner by the senior as a freshman on scout team and just making yourself miserable. I mean, that's initiation in itself, but that was just about it. That's a physical initiation. Um, From my perspective – uh we every year in training camp we had a talent show so like every position group would have a uh skit that they would do typically all of them would make fun of their position coach or coaches um and it was a huge hit people i mean it was funny there we had some really funny guys um i would hope that i was in that category because we my uh the tight ends and specialists we were always together i think really because of me but um we had some good stuff uh, but then also I remember, so we, one camp, our, the offense's motto was mask off. And I got up in front of the offense and just kind of, kind of went off, just kind of danced to it, vibe to it and got the boys going. And that was kind of my role. It was a lot of fun. Um, I'm curious how many of those guys remember that. Cause it was, it was really funny, but yeah, that, that, that's my story. You'd have to think everybody would remember that kind of stuff. I thought it was, you know, it's, it's, it's certainly nerve wracking. I just have one story story and my, in in baseball, they like stopped doing this uh, for a couple of years. I, I, maybe someone complained or something, but in as freshmen on the baseball team in high school, um, the seniors would pick you to wrestle somebody. 
And uh, it, it, when, you know, when you're stretching before the coaches get there and uh, you know, similar sized uh, individuals. And the only catch was you had to like pull up your boxer briefs as high as they would go and tuck your shirt in. And the way to win is to rip the other person's underwear off. <laughs> and I think uh, humble brag, I won mine, but uh, I think somebody might've complained because they stopped doing that uh, for a while. But the, the point so is, it's like, you remember that stuff forever. Like if I ever run into any of the older guys uh, from a high school baseball team, like they'll be like, Oh yeah. I remember when you beat Jake, Jacob in the underwear wrestle and uh, all these players will remember how Hutchinson just stepped up, didn't puss out, and sang Billy Jean, and they all sang with him. I thought that was really cool, Blaine. Yeah, and I think, too, like with Jamal Williams' speech, like Chandler, I, you won't say it, but I'm sure you had one of those at most state, time where you were just like, okay, I'm going to speak, and I, from the heart, true. Like, people remember that, too. And it means mm -hmm. just as much as those fun times, whenever people do that, and that it's, it's almost, you know, looking back at things, inequality. Yeah. But keep going, Johnny. You're on a good run. <laughs> Final point, too, and then I'm pretty much done with uh, with my thoughts on hard knocks. I don't think we really covered this. What do you guys think about golf? Like, look, I don't think he's, you know, he's been to a Super Bowl. He lost. Uh, McVay certainly had a ton to do with that. He balled out in that 2018 against the Chiefs, right? Remember that 50, yeah. both teams scored 50. Like, I mean, like there, there are some traits there. You know, only three wins by the Lions last year. Goff uh, started fourteen of the seventeen games. Quick stat breakdown: sixty-seven percent completion, uh, three thousand two hundred and forty-five yards, nineteen touchdowns, eight interceptions. Like nothing that's going to wow you. But I'm just, I don't know if we really went over what what we think about Goff. And like we've been saying, it, it's it's the quarterback. It's the most important position. I don't know who wants to go first. I keep going with Blaine. So I guess Chandler, let's hear you first. Yeah, I like golf. I'm a golf fan, I think. I mean, I think he's a really good quarterback. I mean, I think he's going to – I think his numbers don't lie. I think he's going to be a consistent quarterback who's not going to wow you, but he's going to keep you in games. If I remember correctly, I mean, I'm sure Detroit had a couple blowouts, but I think they were at one time were like losing games by like one possession. They went on some weird streak like where they were just – like Justin Tucker hit a 61-yard field goal or whatever against them. Like they were, they're in that game. Oh, 66. Yeah, he set the record. So like, I think, I mean, I liked off. Um, also, he threw for over 3,000 yards to who? Hawkinson and DeAndre Swift. I mean, I you get receivers around him now. I know James Williams will be out there, but I think, I think the sky's the limit for Goff. I think he can be, he's good. Yeah, I agree. I, you get receivers around him. That's just what you said, Chandler. I was going to – Amon St. Brown and Hawkinson, like we're talking about players that might be highlighted in the next few episodes. Like those are two guys that are, I mean, pretty well known. And if you pay attention to the NFL, pretty well known. DJ Chark too. I mean, yeah, stud. So I think it's going to be great. I think it's going to be fun. I think it's going to be fun to see how that training camp really looks in, in the next few episodes and how much of those ball catchers they highlight. Really? I think too, it's it's apparent that their offensive line is improved. It's good. And it's I'm, good. Pinay Sewell is a freak. You should not be that big and be able to move like that. Johnny, do you have one more question? No, that was it, guys. I, and that was good feedback there. Josh Reynolds is another guy who's kind of a league veteran who's who's on this team. And um, yeah, Amon Ross St. Brown was a fantasy darling last year who will certainly get more. Uh, more attention from defenses this year, but I think he can be really good. So yeah, I mean, there's there's skill pieces there. There's 
They're building continuity. Like, I don't know. I, I know that it's on hard knocks. It's designed to do this to the viewer, but I'm excited about the lions. Like yeah, I'm excited to watch the lions this year. When was the last time you said that? Yeah. Hell, I think we may have said it a few weeks ago when we were talking we about it. Yeah. Yeah. Excited for that Thanksgiving game because I think they play the bills, right? Yeah. Or no, I, I think they might play the Bills. Yeah, it's somebody big. I'll look it up just to make sure. We're going to be big Lions fans on Thanksgiving. Um, But, yeah, so we'll talk about episode two next Wednesday. Um, Next episode two is next Tuesday. We'll talk about it on Wednesday's show. Let's transition here to Chiefs training camp talk. A lot of good buzz, a lot of good stuff. I think maybe let's just let all three of us go through and give a little synopsis of what we think we've seen. Um, From what I've seen – it seems like, well, and this, I again, the franchise, the Chiefs, quote-unquote, hard knocks is in my mind fresh. But I like what we're doing right now with our defensive line. I think if you would have told me where we were at to start training camp with this D-line, I would have felt a lot better than I did if you listen to the AFC West episode. Um, Carlos Dunlap and the tackle from the Giants. Somebody help me out real quick. Forgot his name. Danny Shelton. Yes, Danny Shelton. Um, Blaine has a good stat on him. I'll leave that to him. Two good signings providing depth for the offensive or for the defensive line, excuse me. I think that's huge. Um, linebacker play has seemed to be very good. Um, Johnny's boy Chanel is hitting people hard. Bolton and Gay. Gay had a sick interception the other day against Pat. I mean, it's gonna happen in practice because they're playing each other every day. Um love to see that especially with Willie Gay gets the ball in his hands I mean I'm not saying you know that he's some sort of special runner but he's a he's a fast guy he gets that ball he can take a pick six of the house easily um one thing I want to note um Rashad Fenton back I think that's huge he actually we were talking about this the other day in the chat everyone's talking about Juju's catch in the end zone great catch love to see it obviously Great defense by Rashad. I mean, Great, yeah. if that happens in a game, if some if Keenan Allen does that to him in a game, you can't be mad at him. I mean, that's just that's just good D better O. Um, I like where the Chiefs are at right now. It seems really positive. Of course, we're we're looking at it from the Chiefs media perspective. Um, but even the NFL guys, NFL Network's been down there. Um, I think it was Jesse Palmer and somebody else was with him. But all their tweets and stuff, they're you know they're quote unquote more uh non-biased seems really positive right now They're, they've highlighted some guys i'm curious to see what you guys say let's turn it over here to blaine blaine what are your thoughts on training camp so far yeah well the first i just want to hit your point on danny shelton he's played in over 12 games every season that he's been in the nfl positive um and then there's a stat obviously his last few years haven't been good his really his, his years haven't been statistically impressive if you look at the stat chart and you're just like okay it's another signing but pff grade of 70 plus in four straight seasons before 2020 um after he left the patch to then go to detroit then to new york and i don't know just a guy that it's a body that's a good signing for the chiefs i mean it's needed as a body so nothing big to say there other than to point out those facts and that's really it my one thing that i'm really excited to see was you know, the fastest receiver on the Chiefs roster, McCall Hardman. I don't know if you saw McCall Hardman and McDuffie line up one-on-one, press man coverage. McDuffie stuffed him at the line, then ran with, turned his hips, ran with him. That's so hard to do as a corner, especially at a, at this level with the receiver with that much speed and that much, you know, as much as we doubt McCall of his tactical ability of to cut routes. But 
McDuffie picked it off easy, made McColl look like a little boy. His progression that we've seen through training camp and in reports that we've seen of McDuffie is really what I wanted to see. Like I've been waiting and waiting for McDuffie to get some praise because he hasn't. And it's finally coming along to where I feel confident and I'm ready to see him Saturday, but I feel confident in our ability to put him at corner um, for the chiefs and, and really a plug and play scenario because it's imminent that he does well. Johnny, what else you got? I, well, uh, my internet screwed up for a second. So I got kicked out. So if I'm repeating anything that you're saying, just, just let me know. Um, I have, I have so many thoughts about the chiefs guys. Like I, so you might actually have to cut me off. So, yeah. So um, let me just go through my notes from top to bottom here. So uh, I can't get enough of chiefs training camp videos. Um, uh, neither can my boy Colin Cowherd. And, you know, if I'm doing what he's doing, I think I'm doing just fine. So uh, at the quarterback position, I just have Patrick in all caps, Patrick, Patrick's ball placement, just I, I watch all of his throws. His ball placement is just perfect. I mean, we have just to to beat a dead horse. We've just struck gold with this guy, and I'm so happy uh, that he's a member of this team. Just hopefully he gets through the preseason healthy and is healthy all year. Because if he is, he's going to be an MVP candidate. I think he's going to win it, and I know you guys do as well. And the Chiefs will uh, be on their way to to playoff success. I'm super pumped to watch Chad Henney and Shane Buchel. Uh, this yeah. weekend against the Bears. So the quarterback position is, is a fun one. Now to the running back position. I mean, the word that I have uh, in bold underlined is is depth. And we haven't had that in a long time in Kansas City. There, You know, guys, like uh, we're going to see how it goes in the preseason. But just based off of what I'm reading, uh, our boy Ronald Jones is not a lock to make this roster. And um, I certainly think he's going to make it. But we're seeing a lot from Isaiah Pacheco. We're seeing a lot from Jarek McKinnon. And because of his draft capital, and the team is going to keep CEH in the fold as much as I think that they are worse off when he's, when he's out there. So uh, running back is a, a deep position, not a wide receiver. They, they, they're going to keep six wide receivers. They usually do that. And um, I think there's four guys that are a lock on this team. Uh, and that's that's Juju Skymore, who I'm super excited for. I mean, this guy looks like a polished NFL route runner already with speed, wins at the catch point, and um, they're even using him out of the backfield, which I, th- I think is super exciting. Uh, Marquez Valdez-Scantling, Marquez Valdez-Scantling is a lock to make this roster, um, and so is Nicole. Both of those guys, I just have the word uh, ew next to. I don't know <laughs> if I really – that. <laughs> I don't know if I'm really that into – uh, MVS, even though I was uh, into him more uh, a couple weeks ago. We'll, we'll see uh, when he's out there. I think he might just be a, a deep threat. But uh, I want to get some feedback from you guys um, on running back and then here after this wide receiver point that I make. Um, so that those four players right there, I think, are a lot to make the roster, which leaves this next cast of individuals uh, all fighting for two roster spots. Those are guys like Josh Gordon, Doris Fountain, who currently has a groin strain, uh, Justin Watson, Corey Coleman, Blaine's boy, Cornell Powell. Uh, there are some guys on this roster who are trying to get, you know, these last two spots. And I'm not really sure who those are, who those are going to be. I, I tend to think that, uh, that, that Josh Gordon's a guy who's, who's going to get cut. Um, well, let's see what you guys think. I went with Chandler last time. Blaine, your thoughts 
on uh, running back and and wide receiver and, and and quarterback if you have anything else there. Yeah, no wide wide receiver first obviously is Josh Gordon's on his way out, and I you said it, but I he feels it. There was a report that he was uh you know coming out saying he's basically just busting his tail, going all out in these last handful of days to try to win a roster spot because I feel like he knows and the Kansas City Chiefs know that he's lost it in the last few weeks. When you look at a guy like Cornell Powell, there's been a lot of buzz. Um, and you know that Fountain can do what he can do on special teams. And Dave has spoke highly of him in that regard. And that's just as big in my mind when you're talking about the depth at wide receiver is the special teams ability to make an impact. And I can't give a ton of insight on their ability to come in and, and grab a slant or grab a vertical or run the right route. But I think Chandler can speak more to what these guys can do on special teams and how much that really is the final roster spot idea than lining up and catching a ball from Pat. Yeah, special teams is going to save these guys, uh, keep them on the roster, keep them in the building, whether that be practice squad or on the actual roster. Um, I think really what's, it's going to come down more than that than it is their wide receiver ability because they're not going to get that many wide receiver reps in a game. Um, I think – so obviously they're all going to be really fast to run on the field, but can they block, you know, in space, can they, you know, block and then run down the field on punt in space. It, it really all comes down to that. Mm-hmm. Um, so that'll be very interesting to watch for sure. Running back though, since blended receivers, I'll go running backs. Um, yeah. I think you're worried kind of about Ronald Jones's spot. I don't, yeah. I wish I, I wish I knew why though. Because it just it seems like it seems like he should be a lock based on what he at least in my mind what he can provide for the Chiefs because short yardage you know he can catch the ball out of the backfield fine I I, I don't I don't see why his his value is not worthy of a roster spot in my opinion now Isaiah Pacheco did I say that correctly Yep Yep I think he's the Chiefs training camp MVP I think yeah. he's played himself. From being a seventh round pick, I think he's played himself into a maybe not a surefire roster spot. Maybe they'll want to see a preseason game, but if he goes off against the Bears in this preseason game, he's he's a lock a hundred percent in my opinion. Um, he's been running the ball hard from clips I've seen. Uh, I think it's going to be really interesting to see how they utilize him because I and you guys were making fun of me in the begin first day of training camp. You guys were all hot and bothered about this. Uh, about my take on pass blocking with no pads on, but I'm telling you, it makes a difference. Every rep counts. And Isaiah Pacheco, really good clip the other day of him blocking in the backfield with Pat as the quarterback during the drill. Um, it was literally a one-on-one drill with with the quarterback just kind of acting like he was in the pocket. And those reps can win you spots. I'm telling you that right now. So I think that's huge to see him improving as a blocker. Um, and then I guess really we can talk about Clyde for some reason, guys, I have convinced myself and, um, I'm going to continue to convince myself that Clyde is going to play some sort of giant impact on this team or excuse me, giant role on this team. Um, I, I don't think that you can move on this fast from a first round running back. I've said it on the AFC West podcast. I've said it to you guys, um, via text. I don't know why he why we won't just run him north and south between the tackles. I think he's good at that. I really do. He's small. He can get in between cuts. Yes, he gets tackled easily. That's annoying, but 
his ability to catch the ball out of the backfield, his ability to run between the guards and the center. I think that he could have a really big year this year. I really do. So, okay. I want to believe that. And actually, um, I feel like I was one of the last people clinging last year, clinging to the Clyde can be good uh, argument. And the whole story about Clyde coming out uh, of LSU was how great he is as a route runner, how great he is when you throw him the ball. The Chiefs know that. Why aren't, why haven't they really done it? Like that's, and, and you know, like I remember one specific example. They were playing against Miami and Clyde was coming across the middle and Patrick, you know, threw it to him, to a normal sized human. It would have been a completion, but it was too high for Clyde and it, it got picked off. So it's like, I don't know. I, I, I just think that the jury is out on Clyde, frankly. Um, I think he his best trait is he makes the first guy miss. The problem is, is he's not explosive enough to make the to get away from the second guy. So like mm-hmm. he, you know, if you watch Clyde, he cuts on a dime and he can make that first guy miss. Like like seriously, almost every time he'll make the first guy miss, he just can't get away from the second guy because he doesn't have that burst. Like he, he didn't have any 20 yard runs last year. Like that's like with as much run as he, you know, opportunity he got, that's, that's tough. So anyways, I think Clyde's going to be the lead back to start. Uh, I think what I think Rojo should make the roster. I think what would be his, um, what, what would be a detriment to him is the fact that, you know, Pacheco, he doesn't really play special teams and Pacheco is your number one kick returner right now uh, per Dave Tobe, um, special teams coach. And uh, Jarek, yeah, Jarek McKinnon played, a nice special teams role last year and Jarek McKinnon's your best receiving back. Whereas Ronald Jones is, is not really a factor in receiving. So uh, anyways, and then wide receiver, and then we'll move on. I think the two guys who are going to make the roster at the end is it's not going to be Josh Gordon. I think it's going to be Justin Watson and Doris fountain because both guys play special teams. And actually that Watson guy has a nice little connection with Mahomes. moving on. Uh, tight end is a position that is awesome on this team as well. Like quarterback, uh, super deep there. Uh, you can go almost, you, know, you can go four deep at tight end with the Chiefs. Of course, Travis Kelsey is the guy everybody knows, but Blake Bell is one of the best blocking tight ends uh, in the NFL. The Chiefs love to have him and Travis on the field. Uh, Noah Gray is a guy who did some good things in, in limited opportunity last year. I think I like to think he uh, takes a step this year. And then, of course, we all love Jody Fortson, but he's battling a training camp injury. So hopefully he can get on the mend there. But I think the Chiefs will have. Um, four deep on tight end. Um, and then we'll go offensive line to finish off the offense. And I want to hear what you guys got. On the offensive line, this is a top two unit in the entire NFL, which is so amazing because uh, not too long ago, the Chiefs had one of the worst, if not the worst, offensive line performance in, in the season's biggest game in the Super Bowl against Tampa Bay. And what the team, of course, realized was that you cannot put the franchise player, the best player in the NFL in the, in harm's way like that ever again. And I think it's just remarkable and a testament to Brett Veach, who I have been very critical of how quickly they've turned around this offensive line. You have the best interior offensive line in the NFL with Tooney, Humphrey, and Smith. And getting those two guys, Humphrey and Smith, out of the same draft is absolutely remarkable. It's great having Orlando Brown Jr. back. And when you have four established mm-hmm. guys like that, Whatever you can get out of right tackle uh, is awesome, whether it's Wiley, Niang, or this young guy, Kennard. I'm super excited for the tight ends and the offensive line, and I want to hear what you guys have. Chan, why don't you start this time? 
Yeah, phenomenal point by you about we. I can't believe it took us this long to talk about Orlando Brown. First of all, speaking of the franchise, the uh, Chiefs video series, he is a massive human being. I mean, he is. I mean, I know they all are, but good God, huge. Seeing him next to Veach, like Veach trying to talk to him, like it was like just that's just a different man, different man. Um, really rooting for Orlando. I want him in Kansas City. I still, I, I think Blaine will agree with me on this. Um, I, I think, I think Blaine will agree with me on this. I think that he is a right tackle, and of course, in his mind, he has always wanted to be left tackle. You know, whatever, but. He he's a good enough left tackle that he's worth the money. Um, I think that he just I really do think his game is better suited for the right tackle position, but he's not a right tackle. Offensive line, I'm reading right here the caption from t- uh Tuesday's takeaway on Chiefs.com is number uh there was great competition during the offense and defensive one-on-one drills. I absolutely love to see that. It, it Johnny alluded to it. If it's a top two unit in the league. It's phenomenal for our defensive line to go against those guys. I think it's so good for them. You can, if you can beat them in practice, you can beat anybody else in the league in a game. I think it's awesome to see, and I hope that the offensive line is whipping them so that way when they get to the game, it's it's more it's you know it's easier. Um, I love this offensive line. It's awesome. I love the tight ends, of course. Uh, Blaine, I don't have much more on the offense to be honest. Yeah, I'm going to go through just what kind of Johnny did with running backs, O-line, and then tight ends a little bit. But running – I mean, we spoke so highly on Rojo for, hell, many weeks just because we – Chandler, you wanted to say it, but it's just size. It's size. We need yeah. that size. We needed that for three, four years. We haven't had it since Kareem Punt. That's my fantasy team name this year, Kareem Punt. Yeah. <laughs> but, nice. Uh, but, I mean – that's why I think I really hope he does get that roster spot just because you said it third down it's it's something that we've been itching for and we've been itching all offseason for and it kind of sucks to see him slip a little but maybe he's just not being highlighted I don't know what the coaches think you know watching film inside of the building and really how they're diving out this running back room I think he's going to get a roster spot just because of that and then Clyde potential like I just want to bring up again Clyde's start to his rookie year there was so much buzz. I think a Lewis Riddick right off the top of my head because he was so high on the Chiefs in 2020 that year. I mean, he went for 138 right out of the gate. And then if you guys remember that Monday night football game against Buffalo, he went for 161, I'm reading off right here. Like, he just exploded. Yeah. And then it went straight progression since then. If we're able to get that out of him in some regression. way. Yeah. Oh, yeah. Regression. Excuse me. Yeah. Obviously. Obviously. But I if we're able to regression. If we're able to get that out of him, hell, I was a huge Clyde fan week six in NFL in 2020 in that season. Yeah. But it's definitely we've been clouded by the last year and a half, and I've, I'm not able to see past it. I still don't believe in the guy that much. And I don't, <laughs> you know, it's just hard for me to. Offensive line, Andrew Wiley. That's it. That's my thoughts. What are we going to get out of him, his backup, and how's that going to shuffle? Andrew Wiley, when I'm thinking past games, him versus Max Crosby, because he started that game against the Raiders. And the reason I remember that is because Max Crosby went to Eastern Michigan. So did Andrew Wiley. And Andrew Wiley dominated Max Crosby that game. Dominated him. Maybe that's a, you know, maybe that is that rivalry in between knowing each other and stuff. But 
If I can get that against the Raiders twice a year, sign me up for Andrew Wiley, but I don't know what I'm going to get out of Andrew Wiley. So I, I wanted to bring that point. And then lastly, tied in like, no, Gray, come on. I want to, I want to see you progress a little bit. Yes. I love the belldozer, but I want to see you. I really need you to have a few red zone targets to have a few, yeah. you know, slip screens. Cause you're quick enough for a tight end outside of Travis Kelsey that they might not expect. Um, I'm really looking for him to make some kind of impact because I thought it was going to happen last year and it didn't. Yeah. I love it. Johnny, take us to the defense brother. Okay. So I guess I'll just let's go over de- the defensive line and then we'll take linebacker and then we'll just cover secondary and be done. Yep. Okay. So guys, remember the point that I really made with this defensive line that I think a lot of people glossed over um, is, is how important defensive line coach Joe Cullen is going to be to this group. Um, you mentioned the franchise earlier. Uh, they talked about him like in within the first five or 10 minutes, uh, did a good segment on Joe Cullen. And uh, I think that there's merit to that. Uh, Joe Cullen, everywhere he's been, has gotten the most out of his players. And if there is a unit, if there's a team that needs the most out of their defensive line this season, it's the Kansas City Chiefs. Guys, uh, I'm super pumped that Carlos Dunlap is here, a guy with 96 career sacks, is um, always getting you six-plus sacks a year, which is which is just huge. And um, strong, edge-setting presence um, that'll give players like Mike Dana and George Karloftis, favorable matchups on the other side. You need a lot out of Frank Clark this year. Frank Clark, um, another one of Blaine's boys to go along with Colin Saunders, you know, Blaine's king. Um, so Blaine, by the way, for the listeners, Blaine's boys are Colin Saunders, Frank Clark, and, and Cornell Powell. So um, a trio of winners there. <laughs> and Blaine's got hashtag, a 99 you, Saunders jersey on. Yeah, hashtag thank you, Blaine. So, guys, you just need this guy, Cullen, Joe Cullen, to get the most out of this group. Um, we know what Chris Jones is, uh, but if we could get a career year out of him too, uh, that would be great. So hopefully this defensive line group outperforms expectations. And um, one other point I wanted to make too, and I, I know that you guys will have thoughts on this, like, like, here's the question, though. Like, who, who is going to step up? Because, like, I think the player that needs to step up is, look, you can't expect a ton out of Carl Loftus. Like, whatever he can give you as a rookie edge rusher is just gravy on top. That's great. Um, now, if he has, like, a sack and a half, then it's going to be really concerning. But, like, if Carl Loftus gets four sacks this year, great. If there's somebody who can step up, I think it's one of these three guys. I think it's Mike Dana. I really do. They love Mike Dana. I think it's Joshua Kando, a fourth round draft oh. pick for the Chiefs last year. <clears throat> and uh, he, and I know this is gross. It's going to, it's, it's, it's going to get grosser. Uh, but he's six foot seven, 260 pounds and an athletic freak. Uh, but he was injured a lot last year. They spent a fourth round pick on him. And then the third one's Malik Herring, who was undrafted, six foot three, 280 pounds out of Georgia, was out last year injured. So I know that's disgusting. That's like, that's, that's gross. But it's Mike Dana, Kando, and Herring. I think one of those guys has to step up and be some sort of a contributor for you this year so you guys can have a little, so they can have a little bit more success. Um, we'll see what you guys think. I think Chan went first last time. So, Blano, let's hear it. I just really hope I don't have to see Kane Doe and Herring on the field much at all. I mean, yeah. if you look at Dana and Carl Loftus should be able to take one side, Clark and Dunlap. I mean, it, 
obviously, you, you know, in a best scenario, Clark and Dunlap are on both sides. So you put Dana Karloftis as backs on the both of there, and then Herring and Kando for just special situations. Like, I really hope that we don't have to see those guys. My, my biggest question, I think, whenever I'm thinking about it, like, Colin Saunders is obviously my favorite player on the Chiefs. Shout out to the Valley. The Valley runs deep. And shout out to Chandler Collins. He Thank you. <laughs> questions me, and it really pains me to see us sign Danny Shelton because do they believe in Colin when you go get a guy like Danny Shelton? That's immediately what went through my mind. How is Colin Saunders looking truly right now to Joe Colin's mind? I don't. I think if he's phenomenal right now, you don't sign Danny Shelton because you already went out and got Taylor Stallworth. So my biggest question is tackle. I think ends, we're going to be okay. We're going to be manageable. But through Naughty, Saunders, Stallworth, and then Shelton, there's a lot to figure out very quickly Saturday. I seriously think that um... – it's not Colin Saunders. I actually think that Joe Cullen loves him because he's a high motor guy. I think maybe right. it's Derek so. Naughty. I, so. I think maybe it's Derek Naughty. I really do. Um, you know, you would think going into training camp that he was our he's our starter. Um, but correct me if I'm wrong, the production from the last couple of years has just not been there from Derek Naughty. I mean, the Broncos game stands out to me week 18 in Denver because they were just moving our interior line big time. And as much as I love Chris Jones and as much as he's the second best D tackle in football, he's not Aaron Donald. He has to have help. Um, and you get help from your opposite defensive tackle more than anything else. I mean, obviously the defensive ends, you know, matter a lot too, but, it, it, it all starts on the interior for a defensive line. And they obviously have big question marks on who's going to really be the rotational pieces. I think that's why they've had to go out and get these guys. Um, and none of the options sound great, to, my, to, to be completely honest. I mean, they're definitely just NFL role players and nothing more, which is fine. But they have to come out there. And if, if they're not going to produce, they have to help the team in some way. They cannot get driven back. And I think that's my my overarching point is the I'll use the Denver game as an example. We have great linebackers. We cannot let opposing offensive lines get to the second level. That's so critical. And I think it's paramount for the listeners to know that Spags runs a four three. He doesn't run a three four. Right. You got two interiors there, and you need depth badly outside of those edge rushers. So who is you know who's it gonna be to stop those guys from getting to the second level? It's it's paramount. It, it is so paramount. Great point, Jim. Yeah, that was a great point. I, Derek Nottie is a guy who's playing a position that's like slowly being phased out by the NFL right now in the zero technique. But when he is out there, and it's usually only on first or second down, we need a lot from Derek Nottie. Uh -huh. And just saying that, saying that makes me a little weary because this is a guy sure. who you know he. The Chiefs drafted. He was out of his rookie contract after last season, and no teams really came barking to nab him up. So the Chiefs brought him back on like a veteran minimum. So, um, yeah, the, the, I'm I'm so with you, Bland. The interior is is where you need a lot of help, and I want Saunders to be good. He just right. hasn't played many games in the last two years. He hasn't had a sack in three years, and he has yeah. 18 total tackles over the last two years. So, like, he's an athlete. But I need him to be good because if he is good, 
Chris Jones will be better oh. because not because he'll be able to spell Chris Jones yeah. on some snaps, and Chris Jones will be fresh. Okay, let's move on to the linebacking core. Which one? Say, I was just about to say we haven't yeah, talked go. about Chris Jones. I mean, Chris Jones. We got to speak on that. Come on, yes. Yeah, yeah. So thank you, thank you for mentioning Chris Jones. <laughs> Chris Jones is awesome. We are bitter right now because he has never had a sack in the playoffs. He actually was asked about that recently um, the other day when he was up for media. And he says, well, I got, yeah, I have no uh, sacks in the postseason, but I've got one ring. So fuck you, reporter, basically, is what he said. So uh, I need a little bit more from Chris Jones, and he'll be better if not he's better, or if uh, Saunders is better. So uh, on to the linebacking core, which I absolutely love, guys. Like, it's been a long time since we have said that about a linebacking core in Kansas City. I mean, uh, for the love of God, Anthony Hitchens and Ben Neiman played a ton of snaps for this team at that position over the last, like, three seasons. So um, Willie Gay is an absolute star. They've actually been running Nick Bolton, however, though, at the dime linebacker, making him a true – sorry, at the will linebacker, uh, because they don't want him to come off of the field. And actually, I remember, especially against the Chargers last year – Nick Bolton being really good, like in pass in, in pass coverage, and yeah. uh, so I'm pumped. I'm pumped to watch him because that was Willie Gay's thing. Like he's an amazing uh, for as far as linebackers go. He's really great in pass coverage, um, but Nick Bolton's been surprising to them. I think Nick Bolton's an amazing player. Um, like I said, a three down player for this team, and the young pairing of him. Uh, with Willie Gay, I think it's just going to be dynamic, and I really hope those guys can stay healthy this year. Um, other players that are going to contribute at the linebacker position, um, Elijah Lee and Jermaine Carter, both guys that are veterans in this league that they have brought in. Uh, Jermaine Carter uh, actually is a guy who played like – he started every game for the Panthers last year. So um, definitely guys with experience. But as I've mentioned before, there is a monster, a ticking time bomb waiting on this team in a good way. And it's Leo Chanel. Uh, By midseason, Leo Chanel, they will not be able to keep him off the field. Uh, He is going to be dynamic. He, like Bolton and Gay, has that quality, that athletic trait to where they can knife into the backfield. And if you watch football, you know exactly what I'm talking about. Derek Johnson used to do it all the time. It's the ball is snapped and the player is immediately through their gap and into the backfield. And it takes a special player to do that. And it's crazy how the Chiefs have three guys, all young, who can do that. And um, I hope the team allows Leo Chanel to write on his arm like he did Um in, in college at Wisconsin, but I don't, I don't think they're going to do that. But but I just hope he has that same nasty factor, which I know he will. And I'm super excited for the linebacker position. Chan, I think you're up. So your thoughts on the linebackers. Oh, I completely agree. First off, we haven't had this athleticism, even with Derek Johnson. I under, I know how great of a linebacker Derek Johnson was, but his two running mates were never as athletic as the linebackers that we have now let alone their their ability and their want to to come downhill and smack somebody in the mouth. Um, you know, I've never played linebacker, but I feel like I have a pretty decent grasp on the, on the position. You have got to be willing to do anything on the football field. I mean, there's nothing, no holes barred for a linebacker. You got to be able to cover the pass. You got to be able to fill the A gaps. You got to be able to fill outside. You got to do everything. You got to be able to guard running backs out of the backfield. I mean, it's it's a long list of things that the linebacker has to do. I think that the linebacker is the defensive tight end. Um, 
in the in the aspect of of what they're asked to do uh, because there's nothing that a linebacker is not asked to do um and we have three very capable guys i do worry a little bit about depth i like elijah lee um being a local kc guy i know we have three great linebackers in terms of chanel willie gate excuse me and um nick bolton but Depth may be a little bit of a concern. Who's that rotational guy? Because they're not going to be able to play every play of defense. I like Elijah Lee, like I said, but I think that's a bit of a concern. Blaine? I'd almost take Elijah. Well, maybe I shouldn't say this because maybe it's inaccurate, but maybe I'll go like Jermaine Carter over like a Ben Neiman or somebody that that's just been there in so many snaps. Like our, oh, depth, sure. our depth is just so much better than guys that had so many snaps last year and I, and I tweeted about it yesterday and I was smash texting you as I was um just had somebody over so I was in the basement watching Chiefs highlights and the people on the field for the Bills playoff game that we won obviously but the snaps on defensive wise percentage in that third and fourth quarter it was horrible to watch who was out there on the field from linebacker oh. to safety to corner like the depth here we're so blessed to have so so many young players. And I think Veach has said it so many times this offseason that these young players, yes, it might scare you a little bit to see their progression, but they're so much more athletic. They're so much better. They can do so many more things than what we're used to in Kansas City that maybe it takes a few weeks, as I just said. But, you know, I have well, I a hard time. I think it's going to take a couple of weeks. I think yeah. this defense early in the year, I think we're going to have to win some shootouts if we're going to win these games. Right. But the great thing about it is that you learn on the fly. You learn how to play the game, getting the reps. It's a long season. These opponents that we play in these early weeks, our offense can beat, and our defense just needs to make a couple plays here and there, and our guys are capable of that. But it could look a little shitty. We could give up some big numbers, and there could be some big plays that happen against this defense. Yeah, Leo Chanel, I mean – he has struggled in man coverage per linebacker coach. Like once he gets that down, or maybe he can a little bit, they'll be a lot better. Uh, Willie Gay, Nick Bolton, they've been there. But I think linebacker position is one of the strongest points of our team right now, and I'm yeah. excited for it. I really am. I do. All right, guys, let's finish up with the secondary, and then uh, what, what a fantastic podcast this has been. This is high-level conversation right here, the best kind of conversation. Um, the point that I want to make – I guess this podcast is just singing the praises of Brett Veach. If there is truly one thing that this guy knows and his staff knows, I think it's 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 getting guys who can play corner, like getting the most out of your guys that are playing corner. Um, like Great Veach's point. approach, like 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 think about think back, like one of the first moves Brett Veach made was trading, you know, a backup offensive lineman Parker Ehringer to Dallas for Charvarius Ward. And Charvarius Ward played a long time for the Kansas City Chiefs and, of course, is on the San Francisco 49ers now. But, I mean, you definitely got the most out of your guy there. Fourth-round pick, Legereus Sneed, who was a safety at Louisiana Tech, is your best corner now. The But, you know, that's a long way of saying I think that Trent McDuffie is going to be really fucking good. Like, the, it, with that track record, you know, Rashad Fenton is a sixth-round pick, and he is one of your main contributors if if Brett Veach really knows how to get corners late in the draft or even as an undrafted player, 
for him to be willing to trade up from 29 to 21 to draft McDuffie makes me think he's going to be really, really good. And um, all the training camp uh, news is saying that 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 point is true. Uh, McDuffie's been looking really good. He's even working in with some special teams return game as well. He's athletic. He's fast. He sticks to these receivers like glue, but he doesn't hold. Uh, which is, you know, if there's one thing to say about Sneed, Sneed gets a lot of penalties. So I'm super pumped about the cornerback room. And you guys mentioned Rashad Fenton earlier, and I just talked about him. I've loved, I've loved Rashad ever since he got that flag last year and shot a fake gun into the crowd, like some hood Mm -hmm. shit. I love when defensive players act like that. Mm -hmm. And so, uh, I'm really pulling for Rashad this year, and he's finally off of the the pup list, so he's back at at practice as well. Um, and then I'll just talk about safety, and then we'll get to you guys real quick. Safety is another strength on this team. I think they've gotten a lot better. Tyron Matthew did good things for this team, but he was not very good towards the latter half of last season. And um, Justin that Reed is, is a huge bad. piece, a huge get. That actually, I think Justin Reed might be the, the captain of Team Blame. And uh, Justin Reed's going to be an awesome player for this team. Look for Juan Thornhill to finally be healthy and back to his rookie year player. Um, And then, you know, Brian Cook is a guy we're super excited for, a guy who takes the Sorensen role immediately and is, of course, going to be better than Daniel Sorensen. So, uh, guys, I I don't really know who's going to be – if there's going to be a surprise cut from this team. It could be Lonnie Johnson, who is a guy they traded a late – you know, a day three pick to the the Texans for, but – Going into this, going into the draft, I was not very excited. I was actually pretty nervous about the, the secondary. And after the draft, I think they hit an absolute home run. So I'm really pumped uh, for what the Chiefs have on the back end and on defense. Uh, Blaine, what do you think? Yeah, I think you hit it on the head. Is when I go back, I loved Chart Various Ward. Chandler gave me a little bit of shit about it, but I really thought he was sensational. And when we lost him. I was tremendously worried about the Kansas City Chiefs defense, utterly worried. And now that I'm seeing some things out of training camp of our John, Johnny, you said it best, the way that Brett Beach can draft at that position, the way that Brett Beach knows that position at some way that there's a lot to really believe in. And so once I've seen McDuffie Williams develop, look pretty good. And I really like how long Williams is. And he seems very physical too. There's a lot to think there, but the, you know, the ticker for me is getting somebody at safety. You said it in that Justin Reed is my guy. I love Justin Reed, his physical ability and how much that I think Brian Cook can be a physical ability itself at, at safety is what we've been asking for since yeah. Tyron was so soft, so soft. Our corners have been physical press. We love to run a lot of press man coverage, mm-hmm. but that safety has to be physical if those guys are going to be press man too, and we haven't had that. So to compile it, I'm not going to sit here and say our secondary is better than it was last year because I don't know, but I think it has more potential than it did last year. 100%. Um, yeah, looting real quick. Tyron was so soft towards the end of last year. So my God, I mean, just sad soft, but yeah, I will add the secondary. I think that we talked about on the D line, who you guys wanted to step up. I think for this chief secondary to be great, not good. 
Rashad has to have a really good season. And the best part about it is that I really believe that he can do it. He needs to be, he just needs to be solid. He doesn't need to make some outlandish play. He doesn't need to, you know, lead the team interceptions. He needs to be a guy that every Sunday we are looking and watching this team play and we're not yelling his name because that has not been the case. That has not been the case with anybody in our secondary, including Charvarius. Blaine, I know you like him, and I know there have been times where you have yelled Charvarius at the top of your lungs watching a Sunday afternoon football game. Jamar Chase. Rashad. Yeah, when he was doing the gritty after Chase, and then he just got destroyed. Oh, God. I don't even want, I wish you hadn't brought that up. I'm looking at that in my head right now. It's really pissing me off. But Rashad Fenton has to be a guy that's just a nice, uh, just a good anchor. He's out there every down. He's playing. He's guarding. Maybe He's not going to be guarding the best player. He's going to be guarding their second player. That's fine. That's what Rashad Fenton needs from, we, we need from him. I love Trent McDuffie. Blaine, I love that you brought up that video of McColl and him the other day. That is such a difficult play for a corner to make. It's a corner is, I think, if it's not now, obviously quarterback, quarterback is the most difficult position on the entire football field. But I genuinely believe that second or a defensive back, a cornerback in particular, is the second most difficult position on on an entire field. And especially in the NFL. I mean, they are set up to fail in the NFL given penalties given the ability of wide receivers, et cetera. But I think that a guy like Trey McDuffie, who has good size, good length, you know, long arms, That's I think that's why Sauce Gardner is so good. His arms are a mile long. It's tough to get off of, uh, tough to get off of your route release when you got a guy stuffing his right hand in the middle of your chest. Um, yeah. So I think that's going to be awesome to see there. And last thing I'll say is I love Brian Cook um, mm-hmm. as a safety. You've got to be willing to come down and hit somebody hard. And it's normally some sort of tight end or a bigger body. Um, you've just got to be able to do that. And I think he is going to do it. I loved watching. First off, I loved watching Cincinnati last year, period, because their defense was so good. But he, I, he's in my head. I remember him big time um, as a physical presence. And he watches highlight tape. And he's laying dudes out. So, I think the sky's the limit for this Chiefs secondary. Now, I will say this. Um, I don't want to end on a negative point, but, guys, it is still the Chiefs secondary. Right. Yes. Is that – it's a whole – it's a whole – it's a facelift of the secondary. There's not a lot of, of old players. Legarius is one – Legarius, Rashad, are two of the guys that are really, you know, that played significant time that are back and Legarius – um, I think I already said luxurious, but my point is new faces back there. Then this secondary, and then it, it could be bad for a few weeks, longer than maybe the rest of the team, longer right. than the linebacking core, longer than the defensive line. We're not playing easy opponents in terms of secondary matchups the first eight weeks of the season. I mean, At there's all. gonna be there's gonna be a top tier receiver on every team we play. And how will this young core of secondary players play? It's exactly what I was going to go into right after you got done speaking, Chandler. I mean, L.A. week two, 
you know, when you look at the depth chart, like would, you mentioned Johnny or Lonnie Johnson, DiCaprio, Boodle. I mean, those guys, you've seen oh. number two play a ton of snaps in training camp. Like he's out there with the ones often. Those guys, I mean, we're going to get exploited there. L.A., Indy, Tampa yeah. Bay, Vegas, Buffalo, receiving core galore. Come, not necessarily I mean, Indy. Not Indy. Not, not yeah, not necessarily. But Indy, still, but a formidable re, opponent. I agree. Re, regardless, so like when you're when you're looking at the depth chart, like Boodle, a guy like him, you got to be good. You have. There's no question about it. Joshua Williams is a rookie in the however whatever round he was picked in. You got to be good early. Yep. Or else <laughs> that's the NFL nowadays. Yeah, I agree. Johnny, you got anything left? Uh, no, you guys really got all of it. So it's, I'm just pumped about this Chiefs roster. Obviously, super optimistic as Chiefs fans. Like, there are shortcomings, the defensive interior, the youth of the defense as a whole. Like, it's not going to be as sunshine and rainbows as we're depicting it right now. And, and there will be growing pains. That's why I picked Indy to beat the Chiefs week three. Not because of their dynamic receivers, but because of Quentin Nelson uh, and Jonathan Taylor running at the, you know, our defensive interior and our young linebackers. So um, I, I'm good guys. I think that was, that was so much fun. Yeah, that was great. Um, and I had a point to make about the defense. Oh, to flip it back to the positive side. I don't want, I didn't want to end my, my spiel on a negative. I'd rather be young and learn than be old and helpless. Right. You're old. There isn't anything yeah. else you can do. Yeah. You you've maxed out your potential. There's no more room to grow, and that's kind of what our defense had been. So much youth across the board. Take the growing pains with a grain of salt. Our offense is good enough to withstand the growing pains, and quite frankly, this defense could be a underrated defense in this league uh, moving forward. Boys, what an episode. Um, <laughs> I honestly had the mindset that it wasn't going to be that long, and we crushed it. Great Chiefs training camp talk. Sorry to the listeners who aren't Chiefs fans for not really getting into any other teams. Suck it up. My podcast. We'll do what we want. Um, <laughs> amazing episode with the boys. <laughs> we'll be back next Wednesday, of course. Um, more hard knocks. More Chiefs training camp. Hopefully we try to sprinkle in a little bit of uh, the rest of the NFL, but if we don't, we're not really going to feel that sorry about it. So deal with it. Boys, as always, really appreciate your time. Um, phenomenal episode. I'll talk to you guys next week, okay? See ya. Football today. See ya. That's right. <laughs> Peace.